Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck, coming to you live from Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, located in Pittman, New Jersey, inside of the Total Turf Complex here in Pittman, New Jersey, South Jersey's finest indoor and outdoor sports and entertainment complex. Got Dr. Frey with me. How you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Jason. Dr. Frey, this is a bit of a milestone, I guess you could say, in our maiden voyage here. Uh, episode number 10. 10. Can you believe it? <laughs> we made it to 10. So here's the thing, though, right? We uh, This is the episode that I was dreading all along. And uh, Joe, our on-site producer here, we had this conversation about two weeks ago. We absolutely did not want to have to do an episode on a Sixers-related injury. Here we are. But here we are. Uh, as we Again. all know, as we all know at this point, uh, Joel Embiid has a lateral meniscus tear. Uh, suffered on the Memorial Day game. He had the MRI a day later, and uh, you know the results were, you know, revealed to the public. And we learned that they were going to treat this with physical therapy and treatment. They're going to try and get them through the playoffs. So, Confounding. Yeah. We thought no better guest to bring on tonight than the uh, clinic manager here of our reconstructive orthopedics PT department, Dean Millard. How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. Dean, I know you just got done a 10-hour uh, day, uh, wife and three kids at home. Uh, so can't thank you enough for sticking around. The, yeah, uh, at least uh, thank goodness we're at a brewery. So... Uh, <laughs> I might be Ubering home. We'll see what happens here. <laughs> Dean, let's be honest here, right? Um, not your first trip down here to Neck of the Woods, is it? No, it is not. Uh, <laughs> usually uh, Thursdays, I'll, I'll make a stop in here, try out a new beer they might have on tap, get a little four-pack take home for the weekend. Uh, they got quite a good list here, so I, I, I do enjoy making my pit stop. <laughs> That's great. So, like we said, uh, Joel B drives the lane. <laughs> Um, game four versus the Wizards. We've all seen the video now at this point, right, Dr. Frey? Yep. Uh, it was an awkward landing, right? Yeah. Um, Did not think it was his knee at first. Right. I mean, because he gets up holding his back, as a right. matter of fact. Uh, but he does hobble off the court. I think every Sixers fan collectively holds their breath. Every time. MRI, like we've talked about just on every episode, conveniently done the very next day, June 1st. We know he has a meniscus tear. Uh, he misses game five which the Wizards uh, end up winning. Wizards? Sorry, let's back up. <laughs> so he misses game five, but the Sixers were, eight, were able to pull out the victory. Uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't pull out the victory for game four when he went out, but the Sixers close out the series, and we all kind of still wait for what's next. We know it's a meniscus tear. Dr. Freight, take the lead here. Tell us all about what that is and what that means for him. Well, first, it's very interesting because um, uh, I think in, in Philadelphia, with that, with that last win against the Wizards, everyone was kind of riding high. We did it without, without Embiid. Mm -hmm. You know, at this point, he can rest, you know, until, until we face the Nets. It's yeah. a foregone conclusion. My, how things have changed, right? Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, nonetheless, what is a meniscus tear? A uh, meniscus tear is, well, first, your meniscus is... You have two inside each one of your knees. They're like little, basically C-shaped cartilage rings. They look a lot like rubber. Um, if I had pulled one out and handed it to you, you would say that that's rubber. Um, and they're really meant as like um, shock absorbers inside the knee. That's really what they're meant to do. They're, they're, they're like cushions. And, and so, so if you were to look at a knee, uh, inside the knee, the end of your thigh bone is basically two kind of spherical objects that kind of look very rounded. Um, and if I took a bowling ball and I put a bowling ball on a table, that bowling ball touches the table at one spot, right? 
all that pressure would go through that one spot. But if I take that bowling ball and I put that bowling ball on top of a donut, it really spreads out that force. And that's really what the meniscus does, um, both sides, the inside portion and the outside portion, so the medial portion and the lateral portion. And in, in this particular situation, Joel Embiid comes down, he lands a little bit awkwardly, and you know we all think it's uh, he lands on his backside, and you all think he's injured his back, but, but it turns out it's actually a, a, a knee injury. They do the MRI, it turns out there's a tear in the meniscus. The reports are that it's, it's a small tear. I think that most, uh, most orthopedic surgeons or most sports docs, most people that are involved in, uh, in the care of these injuries, first thing you think is someone has a tear in the meniscus. Typically, if there's no arthritis in the knee and the guy's healthy, you start thinking this is going to go down a surgical pathway, but it doesn't in this particular situation. And that's what makes this one a little more interesting. What's the definition for you when you're looking at the MRI, small tear versus large tear? Is it literally just the, the yeah. length of it? Yeah, so, so there are all different types of tears, right? And one kind of a tear where you call more of a radial tear, and it's, it's, I hate to say it's really hard to describe um, uh, verbally, but, but essentially it's a tear that goes across the fibers. The fibers are kind of rounded along with the shape of the meniscus, and the radial tear would then go right across those fibers. And then you can have a basically kind of a split. And there are two kinds of splits. The split can be sort of vertical, or you can have a horizontal split that goes into the meniscus kind of from the apex, the central portion, and, and kind of split it that way. So there are all different kinds or different types of tears. You have a parapeak tear. You have a very large tear, which can be a, uh, a bucket handle tear, where it actually, the central portion flips into the, the mid, mid portion of the knee. Quite simply, when they say small tear, you're just, there, there aren't, it's not quantified by any specific number. It's not, you know, less than three millimeters or whatnot, which we do for a number of different other injuries. But in this one, it's just, it, it looks very small on the MRI, it's a small tear. Patients in general, uh, Dean, that have diagnosed small tears, um, what do you typically see? What, what are their complaints? Uh, so, uh a lot of times they'll complain of pain along the front of the knee, sometimes in the back of the knee. It does depend on where that tear is located, mm -hmm. um, if it's towards the front of the meniscus or the, the posterior horn, you know, as we talked about previously. Um, so that can vary on where their pain will be, but if they have a larger tear or something that's more problematic, that's an immediate indication for surgery, they might complain of some sort of a locking in the knee where if they bend it past mm. a certain point, it feels like it gets stuck and they, they can't get their knee unbent or they can't get it fully straight and they'll feel these kind of mechanical uh, symptoms. A lot of times they might complain of a, a clicking or things like that, which, you know, a lot of times clicking is really, I tell patients all the time, does it hurt when it clicks? No. Okay, then don't worry about it. I, I call them benign clicks and cracks, right? Yeah, you know, mm. if you bend your wrist a certain way, it's gonna make a click. If I, you know, I can make my knee click every time if I feel like it. it a lot of times those You're are You're a former football fun. player though. Yeah, so, so you, know, <laughs> you know, 17 years of yeah. football or something like yeah. that, yeah, I, you know, my body makes all sorts of noises now, but. but and remind me again, who'd you play for? The, the, those uh, Golden Rams? Westchester, those Golden Rams, <laughs> that's right. Uh, oddly enough, Jason, I, you know, I think we overlapped when we were there, we um, small world, but. Uh, yeah, so, but anyway, um, that's a common complaint with a more problematic meniscus tear is that catching or locking. General, just an achiness a lot of times, and you have good days and bad, um, where it might feel more inflamed at times. There's kind of the chronic swelling that may go on because that tissue within the knee 
is constantly getting rubbed on or in, pinched against and it just causes a, a constant irritation. Similar to somebody with arthritis. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not nearly the same thing, but uh, complaints will be similar in that regard. Most of the time, patients, once they reach that point where they do have a good amount of arthritis, they have a meniscus tear going in there. Part of the degenerative process, right? Like yeah, exactly. Everything, everything softens in the knee with that with the arthritis, the, the, the cartilage on the end of the bone, the, the meniscus, and it just kind of wears down and tears. This is hopefully not that kind of tear. Fingers crossed there that there's not much arthritis in there because we're, we're hoping for a lot of years out of this guy. Right. Um, you know, we trusted the process for a long time <laughs> for uh, that championship window to yeah. be closed already because yeah. uh, the process's knees are shot would yeah. not be good. So uh, fingers crossed that this is just a small tear mm -hmm. um, and that he'll be fine. Thankfully, you know, there was, we talked about it, you know, that's part of one of the things why I'm excited to be on this this week is every week we end up sitting and talking about somebody's injury, whether it's the, yeah. the topic of the show this week mm -hmm. or, you know, just whatever. Um, so to be able to really talk about it, but, uh, I feel like we actually have an off-air podcast uh, without the mics and without the beers. Yeah, every we, day. Yeah, <laughs> every day. Yeah, yeah. Just about. So maybe we get some hidden cameras in right. there and just <laughs> turn a day of work into a podcast yeah. and see what happens. But uh, you know, luckily, I think in this regard, it's not the same knee that he mm -hmm. had surgery on before. It's not the same knee that he tweaked earlier. You know, just two months or so ago that was already talked about on the show. Um, oh yeah. That it is, uh, to me, that would indicate that the chances of this being a cleaner knee besides mm -hmm. just that little injury is probably good because this is kind of the first time that he's really had an issue there. So he's kind of got that going for him, hopefully. Dr. Frey, I have a bigger question that I want to save to later, but mm -hmm. uh, you see a small tear in the office. Yeah. We know that the Sixers put out the statement that they're going to use physical therapy, strengthening, uh, rehabilitation to get them through the playoffs. Is that your initial approach when you see these in the office is to treat it with rehab or at what point do they do you consider surgery? You know, uh, frequently for a young athlete, mm -hmm. uh, small tear, uh, I may try a short mm -hmm. period of, of physical therapy. It is absolutely a reasonable thing to mm -hmm. do, but I'm more inclined to go down a surgical pathway in that particular scenario. You get to a middle-aged athlete, 100%. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try a uh, non-operative pathway gotcha. first, provided there aren't other issues or it's yes. not a major tear, it's not locking, it's not a bucket handle, um, some, something that would really you know, force your hand from a surgical standpoint. Um, and then absolutely positively, someone who has underlying arthritis, every single time you're going to, yeah. you're going to try a non-operative routine first. Um, so I'll, age has a lot to do with it. 100, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. It is mm -hmm. a consideration. And, and then what goes hand in hand with that, you know, it's not a hundred percent the correlation, but typically arthritis is an age related variable. As you get older, you get more arthritis. So that is a factor in your consideration. We talked about on previous episodes, Dean, where the, uh, the beauty of the energy lab being, you know, right next door. Mm -hmm. Um, so, to put yourself in in the, in the scenario where Dr. Frey sends over a referral with a small meniscus tear that we're going to treat conservatively at this point with rehab. Um, it's kind of a shame. I feel like we need to say it every week. We, we all know at this point, Dr. Frey is not the treating physician for Joel Embiid. Correct. Dean Millard is not the treating physical therapist for, for Joel Embiid. 
Uh, we have no idea what's actually going on, but you have a small meniscus tear come through. This is why we brought you in. You're the big guns here. Um, <laughs> you know, walk us through, you know, what's the eval like? What are you expecting to see? You know, so especially as, as acute as he would be, there was probably a decent amount of swelling around the knee, um, probably some range of motion loss. A lot of times uh, the quadriceps is going to be, depending on how much swelling and how much pain uh, he has, even though no tissue damage or anything uh, technically wrong with his quadriceps, that quadriceps muscle uh, is going to get weak. Pain, swelling, inflammation, they limit muscle function. So those are things that I'm, I'm anticipating to see as a direct relation to the knee. Now his his injury was a you know a fluky kind of a thing, so you know we're hoping that he doesn't have a lot of compensatory issues that are going on. Most times injuries at the knee, with it out without it being this traumatic kind of event, are because they have something uh, quote unquote wrong at their hip or their ankle that's causing them to move poorly. A problem with the kinetic chain. Exactly. So, you know, your knee really doesn't do a whole lot. It bends and it straightens for, to oversimplify things. There's obviously some rotation there, but our knee, or our, excuse me, our hip and our ankle, they move in all sorts of directions. So if something weird is going on there, whether he just has a stiff ankle, which, you know, a lot of people with the length that he has, he probably doesn't have great uh, dorsiflexion at his ankle. So that could be contributing to some poor mechanics in the way that he moves. So those might be some uh, indirect things that we want to look at with somebody like this, but uh, more directly related to this injury, some swelling, some inflammation, quad shut down a little bit, uh, some range of motion loss. We would look at, depending on how, uh, again, how, how acute and how irritable that knee is, doing a little bit of a functional assessment, seeing what it looks like when he squats. Is he getting pain when he squats? A pinching in the knee, seeing, you know, doing some of these special tests. Essentially, most of these special tests, you're twisting and compressing on that knee. Um, there are specific ones, but a lot of times, I'm just trying to wrench on that knee and crank on it and twist it mm -hmm. um, as many ways as I can to see if we can create a symptom. Again, because depending on the size of that tear and where that tear is, doing the exact test might not catch that area of the meniscus that is torn. So yeah. we're going to do a lot of kind of twisting. But um, those are the, the main things that you're going to kind of look at and want to work on initially is, especially in this case, we're on a, a very short time crunch. Right? It was going to be my next question. This is the NBA playoffs. It was going to be my next question. We right. don't... Yeah. We're not going to say, hey, you know, you're, you're 14 years old. You've got right. a lot of life ahead of you right. here. Let's shut you down for a month and take our time and really make sure that yeah. you're, you're good to go. Like, no, we got it. Can you play? Go play. Yeah. So, and that was going to be my question for you is that uh, from an athletic trainer standpoint, this is where <laughs> I sometimes feel uh, I have a different approach is that, and I completely agree, I mean, we need to look at squat mechanics, things like that you had mentioned increasing ankle dorsiflexion. That to me seems like a something that's going to take time to yeah. improve, right? We're we're doing that in I don't know when the NBA season's a little yeah. different this yeah. year. I don't know when yeah. the NBA the finals season, right? end, but but I'm going to uh, tell you from an athletic trainer, I got coach breathing down my neck. <laughs> yeah, I got to get him out in two days. 
You're not saying, hey, right. coach, he's lacking about six degrees of dorsiflexion. We need to wait. No. That's going to be about three months before I get that right. Right. But, yes. I mean, so, what, are, what are you doing in the uh, – and that's not to in any way diminish the needs for that stuff. No, absolutely. But what is your approach if you had somebody with that kind of time frame? So with, with this, the goal to me is going to kind of be managing his symptoms mm -hmm. and let's get him through – hopefully three more rounds right. of basketball right and then we can correct things later right. so we got to get that swelling under yeah. control whether you know there's a whole list of modalities that we can can use to try and do that you know your typical uh compression a lot of times with with this the swelling and inflammation is going to be more inside the joint mm -hmm. so we need to kind of compress that to force that out a little bit differently mm -hmm. than you would with just a traditional ice treatment yeah. um you know other things your electrical stimulation and things like that to try and get some of that swelling and fluid out of there and then making sure that his range of motion at least at the knee is optimal that he can fully straighten that knee so that he can run and jump appropriately yeah. um and getting that quad functioning as best as we can um it's always amazing how it always relates back to full range of motion always right? you can't you know, have somebody out there lacking ability to flex and extend their knee and not right. expect something else to happen. Right. And, you and know, strength, does, right? Yeah. You, want, you want 90% in the strength, sure. typically. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. does he need, uh, let's say, 130 degrees of knee flexion to play a basketball game? No. But if one knee is moving differently than the other, his body is going to feel off, and that can put him at risk for another injury. So, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing you want to get back. And yes, he needs that that strength back, making sure that quad's firing. I think what Dean is talking about there is that there's a, some there's a entity called a um, uh, reflexive or quad inhibition, and, mm -hmm. and probably more, somewhat of a self defense mechanism of the body. But but you get a large knee effusion or, or swelling inside the mm -hmm. knee joint, and sometimes that quad just shuts down. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's very dramatic to see it happen. And so that's a big thing is getting that getting that quad. To work again to kind of look back to normal start firing so they have the strength and they can protect themselves from additional injury dr frey my next question for you um reports came out a few days later that there was potential that the mri reading actually showed uh, a pre-existing small meniscus tear yeah and maybe this is a two-part question but what would that mean and do you think that that potentially changed Joel's psyche a little bit once he knew that, if this is in fact true, once he knew that like, oh, I already had this, I, just, I kind of inflamed it a bit. Yeah. But I was already playing with this. I can play if I feel good. Yeah, um, I would imagine. It would... And th does that happen frequently? Uh, something that you discover actually is a chronic thing? Yeah, it does happen um, with relative frequency that mm -hmm. something has been going on and you discover somebody has an injury and you discover it as a result of evaluating that particular mm -hmm. recent injury. How they determined that this may have been a pre-existing or old injury, to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure. Interesting. There's not typically something on the MRI that's going to indicate that this was acute. Hmm. Dean had asked me this too, and I, I don't think either one of us had the answer. Yeah, that was... We I were going to turn it over to yeah, Dr. Frey. I, I was looking yeah. for you for this yeah. one. So, <laughs> so, so it's surprising to yeah. me. So I'm not, I'm not sure what they found or what, what, hmm. why they thought that. Um, one of my thoughts is that potentially... He's doing pretty well, mm -hmm. and as such, they think, oh, well, maybe this was a small chronic tear. Mm -hmm. He's been there for a little while, and that's why he's doing really well, because frequently with a, more of an acute tear, you're going to have a little more pain, a little more swelling, you know, and maybe this was, a, yeah, this fall, which is, again, wasn't a 
in my opinion, wasn't the typical meniscus injury. You typically you think twisting, you, you're running, you trip, a twist, or whatnot. You know, and as as he comes down on this one, you see you see the leg catch, like the the heel kind of catching, and the knee kind of jar a little bit. But really, he lands on his backside, and you're thinking this is you know this is his sacrum, this is his tailbone, this is something like that. So it wasn't this typical injury, but he did walk away with a, with a knee injury out of uh, as a result. To be honest, the his previous knee injury, the one that well, came back clean, would have been one that you expected something to be yeah, wrong. Totally, like, that yeah. one looked yeah. really that looked bad. Yeah. Right? You, oh yeah. god! You know, I was expecting it's over. Yeah. That we was the last. That was the last show. We're yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. That was and our first episode, right? First episode. Dr. Bernardini right, was like, right. I, I thought ACL. I, you know, from Dr. Bernardini, I, I thought ACL injury. I thought this meniscus. Yeah. And that yeah. one came back. Well, he hyperextended in a bone bruise. It was think. not nearly as bad as yeah. we thought it was going to be. Yeah. And so with this one, that's that's the only thing I can kind of point to is maybe that's why they were saying, hey, this may have been right. pre-existing, right? His knee, maybe his knee didn't swell like you would expect it to with an acute knee injury. Mm-hmm. Um, although he had some pain and discomfort, maybe it wasn't as severe as you would expect in an acute knee meniscal tear. And so maybe the, that kind of led them down this road, right? This may yeah. have even been there beforehand. Yeah. And, and maybe that's one of the reasons why he was able to come back in this last game. Yeah. That's, I guess that answers my question. I mean, I, I, I was the guy that had to submit the injury reports for, you know, the arena football. And I would say, uh, you know, player X is doubtful. He's doubtful. He's questionable. Knowing full well he was going to play. So I, I was wondering if in the beginning there was some gamesmanship there. Um, we're going to hold his status till the very last minute. Uh, and then I was curious, well, like maybe if he did find out it was pre-existing, hey, like I've already was dealing with this. Yeah, I can play. Right. And that's as we now know, he came back for game one, played, played well. 39, yeah. or I'm sorry, played, scored 39 points, unfortunately in a losing effort, you know, and um, I was wondering if that factored into it. It was uh, promising to see in that game five when they close out the Wizards that he was out there shooting around yeah. in, in pre-games. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, you know, this, this has got to be a good sign if, mm-hmm. if this was really that bad. He wouldn't be out there during pregame warm-ups in a game where they know he's not even playing. For it sure. had already been announced. But uh feels like there's definitely some gamesmanship yeah. going on right now as we sit here at this exact moment. Right. right. Wondering. Tip-off is any second now, yeah. I think. And We have the TVs on here at Neck of the Woods. Um, you know, people here watching the game. You know, we're still in the pregame show. I'm, I'm watching Shaq right now give his take. What, what are the ex- through the microphone? <laughs> <laughs> what are the uh, you know what are our expectations? I mean, I mean, let's start with Dr. Frey. Um, he played game one. Yeah. They lost. Yeah. I feel like now they need him more than they did in game one. My expectation is that there is still that they're going to win the series. No, no. I understand the question. <laughs> I, I guess uh, expectations for Joel and B. Yeah. I know. So, so, you know, when I first heard the report, when I first heard the report, Dr. Frey, not to cut you off. Uh, I know you have your back to the TV. We see Joel Embiid out there warming up. He looks like he's going to be playing tonight. So that's, that's a, a positive sign. sign. Right. Good continue, sign. please. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my first thought was, yeah, no, this this this, this guy's going to have to sit at least two or three weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, my my expectation honestly was three weeks, and he's going to sit three weeks, and they're going to we're going to do some PT. They're going to get him going, and you know, provided the the Sixers make it that far, he'll be back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the NBA playoffs. Don't conclude overnight, you know. And, and in my mind, I was wasn't doing the math, but I said, this is going to be a decent chunk mm-hmm. of the playoffs, unfortunately, and hopefully they'll advance. Um, and then, and then, you know, she seemed like he was going to be back right on, you know, pretty darn quickly. He was going to miss one game, um, potentially two. And my and I, that's what leads me down this road 
where I think maybe that's where they're concluding that maybe this was actually a previous mm-hmm. injury that they're seeing. And, and because my gut is that he's less symptomatic than you would expect someone with an acute injury to be. You know, there's a typical chronicity there. Typical chronicity for a meniscal tear is you have the knee injury, your knee hurts, and the next day you wake up with a big swollen knee. Um, and that's the kind of your standard course. Does it swell before that sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, does it not swell at all sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. But majority of the time, that, that's the time frame you're looking at. And I, and I sort of have a feeling that maybe he woke up and his knee was bothering him, but it wasn't big and swollen. Um, I don't know that for sure. I'm just guessing. And um, I'm also guessing that, you know, even though he's had some discomfort in the knee, his activity level and his ability to tolerate stress is probably better than you would expect at this point. So to be honest, I was a little surprised he was able to come back as quickly as he, yeah. as he was. And my expectation is that if that's the case, if, if this was a pre-existing injury, a pre-existing asymptomatic injury, and that's really a driving factor here. Symptomatic injury, you treat a little bit differently. If it's asymptomatic, if it's essentially not painful, it's like your other knee, assuming your other knee is normal, um, you can be a lot more aggressive about this. And I, I think that's probably where we are. So that's a really good sign, right? Like, so if that's the case, you may have some pain, some achiness, and some discomfort through the series or through hopefully multiple series uh, going forward, but hopefully it's available for all of them. Yeah. Dean, how much uh, pressure do you think would be relieved from people like you, like me, treating day to day? Let's say, you know, they got through game one, they handled the Hawks, you know, without any issue. Yeah. To maybe be able to say like, oh, we could afford to sit him game two. Yeah, I honestly, I was kind of surprised that he did play game one. So it it does kind of lend to what Dr. Frey was just saying that it probably was an older injury. Mm -hmm. They realized, hey, like, it's not that bad. Yeah. It's just a mild irritation. Mm-hmm. You should be fine, right. because especially because in that game five, a lot of guys stepped up and played yeah. really well for the Sixers. I really thought they were going to say, "Hey, let's let's try and steal game one, mm-hmm. get you all a couple extra Without days them. rest, yeah. see if we can mm-hmm. steal one, and if we steal game one, let's see if we can steal so game, game two. two. Unless he's totally one hundred percent no effects whatsoever yeah. from that injury, let's see how many games we can steal and just let him keep resting. Yeah. Turned out that wasn't the case, so that probably means he it, that knee is thankfully feeling pretty yeah. good. The the tricky thing is though, this can change every day. Like right. he just said, you know, he probably woke up. They played Sunday. He probably woke up Monday, a little sore, a little mm-hmm. swollen. Hopefully that's all it was. It looks like he's playing tonight, so yeah. it probably was a little minor. Yeah. Even without something, you know, knock on wood. I don't want to. I don't even want to put it in the universe, right. but let's just say it, it could <laughs> it could change game to game and day to day. That just because he plays three games in a row mm-hmm. theoretically and feels great with them, that doesn't mean yeah. that he might not miss. Yeah. Again, I'm not even going to finish that sentence because right. I don't want to put it out there. We we need him on the court. So. And that's the unfortunate thing is you drop game one. There's less room to be able to spell him some time off. Like yeah, okay, we might go down now. to Atlanta tied one one. Let's hope so here. Let's hope. Um, but you definitely can't afford to come back from Atlanta down one, you know, three to one. No, yeah. um, you know, hey, good. guess what? Trey Young is no joke. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, and they got manhandled for what would you say, forty-six out of the forty-eight minutes of that game. I mean, yeah. I think the final score of the first game has doesn't really give a good picture of what that game actually was. I mean, they almost stole it back from the Hawks, but you know, you you could come back from Atlanta tied two-two, and suddenly, like you're saying. Um, 
It's not feeling good. He, he, he can't play. Right. And now you're in a must-win situation, and Joel's not available. Right. I mean, winning game one would have been huge for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully all, things, all things go well here. Um, and I think, you know, with, in, a, in a rehab standpoint, we got to keep him as – not we, but they got to keep him as, as functionally uh, as possible. But a big part of it, I think, is managing those symptoms for now and let's do what we can without – flaring things up yeah. and um you know they again the ideal world these sports teams they have everything they could possibly want at right. their disposal so i'm sure he's doing your blood flow restriction and maximizing that muscle strengthening yeah. while minimally loading that knee and they to try and keep his conditioning up you know getting that, him in an anti-gravity yeah. treadmill and, and yeah. things like that keeping um, cardio going that was, that, that was exactly where i was about going. to ask I was, yeah. where i was going to go you know limited amount of time you know what are you going to try to do what are you, what, what are your best options from a, from a therapy pool, standpoint some aquatic therapy yeah. maybe some pool work I, yep absolutely pool pool's a good option um doing some strengthening in there can do some pool running in there um can you tell us a little bit about bfr blood flow restriction you just mentioned yes so uh to oversimplify Simplify it. Essentially, what you're what you're doing is restricting the blood to those muscles. Uh, so you would put sort of like a tourniquet or a, a fancy blood pressure cuff, um, either on the upper arm or, in his case, more specifically, in the in the upper leg, and you're restricting that blood flow to the lower leg. And when you do that, you're limiting the oxygen supply to the muscle. In a theoretic world, if there is infinite uh, oxygen supplied to the muscles, those muscles will never fatigue. And you can continue to do exercise repeatedly and really not get any gains from that. It's not until that oxygen is depleted and you get this physiologic cascade of lactic acid um, production, uh, protein synthesis p production, growth hormone production, and that's really where your strength gains are going to come from. And blood flow restriction allows you to do that while doing low, very low intensity exercise. So if somebody has, in his case, a meniscus tear where we need to be careful about loading that knee, he's not, he's probably not in the training room or the weight room doing, you know, 300 pound squats. Right. He, with blood flow restriction, you can just put the cuff on him, do body weight squats, do some single leg strengthening, minimal, minimal load on that knee, and maximal load and demand on those muscles. Um, so it's really, I, I kind of tell patients, it's a way to uh, cheat the system, so to speak. And you know, that's specific to him. Yeah. You can use that for any number of things. You know, early post-operative patients, whether it's a shoulder, a, a muscle injury, where you know we can't put a lot of weight on that ankle or right. shoulder or whatever the case may be, but we can put a lot of load on that muscle and keep things very safe for, mm -hmm. for the patient or the athlete. So it's a, it's a really nice tool uh, to have. And I, I, would, uh, I would bet that he's been doing some of that for sure. Let's go on record here, guys. Um, something we, we typically do. I'm going to start with Dr. Frey. Yep. Whenever the season ends, and let's hope it's with a parade. Or <laughs> Dr. Frey is not a Sixers fan, so Dean I and am, I man. are hoping. I'm know. on board. I'm on board. All right, so the three of us, you know, we're hoping this ends with a parade, but whenever the season ends. I've adopted. It, I've been here for a while. I've adopted. Does Joel Embiid have surgery on this? My gut is yes. 
Because um, we know his history. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My gut is yes. However, I have to say that this is one, this is an injury that's really predicated on the details. Yeah. And we don't have the details. Right. So I think there's a very reasonable chance that if he gets through the rest of this uh, season, hopefully a couple more series here, um, if he gets through the rest of the season without another injury, and at the end of the season, he's pretty asymptomatic, at that point, probably no. Mm-hmm. But if I'm a betting man, my gut is that that's not the case and that, yeah, they'll get him through the rest of this season. There's always that small, small risk, that thing that we worry about, especially if he has some symptoms about this getting worse with time. And I, have, I suspect that um, maybe he has a knee scope. And if it's a small tear, especially if it's central, within the, the, the inner portion of the meniscus where the blood supply isn't great and the meniscus is very thin, where they just go and trim that portion out. And it really isn't too big of a deal, and he's back pretty quickly. So so my gut is yes, but uh, that's not said with any certainty at all, I hate to say it. Dean, what do you think? Uh, I was going to say the same thing. Um, I do have a, a related question that's probably even a little tougher for you to answer, Dr. Frey. With it being a small injury or yeah. a small tear, yeah. why not do that small little cleanup right now, Yeah. have him miss... Two weeks. That was the first thing I thought. And, and get him back, and you know that that meniscus is now clean and yeah. smooth because, again, there's if there is a tear in there, there's some risk that that small tear becomes a big tear right. during this playoffs, and now he's done. Yeah, I, I'll you know, tell you, if it is that small, you know, and I, you know, there's in the everyday world, we're very concerned about that longevity of that patient, right? Sure. And we know if we go in and just clean out that meniscus and shave some of that down, that shock absorber has now been lost. And there's more of that. You have less points of contact, right? Right. So that that force, the long-term outlook for that patient's not as good. Yeah. Increases the chances of developing arthritis down the road. Exactly. And not that we don't care about Joel's long-term health, but we know how the sports world is. A lot of times teams are looking out more for the best interest of that team, unfortunately. No, it's not not even that, not even that. But in in the short term, a small tear and resecting that is not too big of a deal because you're not really increasing the chances of arthritis in a a big way. But a small tear that becomes a medium tear or a large tear and now needs to be addressed, now you are. So now actually maybe doing that surgery is looking out for his long term. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So so, to be perfectly honest with you, you bring up that point. That was the first thing that I thought. My, my thought was this guy's out for two to three weeks and really to be honest with you two to three weeks small little tear just trim it out two to three weeks are probably okay why, why not and it and it turns out that I guess you know um, he probably was not that symptomatic which hence the reason he got back so quickly and that was the the focus or that was the the main reason they made the decision not to go a surgical route they had more information than we did and they, they were able to use that information and you know just like so many things you know the the devil's in the details and and in this situation i think the details dictated this guy will probably get back pretty quickly if we just leave him alone give it a little bit of time sure um you know and and you know that's the part that's the caveat that makes me say yeah i'm not really convinced he's gonna have or i don't know for sure he's gonna have surgery in the off season there's a chance here that maybe he's doing well enough that they don't ever have to do it at all. Um, in a younger patient, he's young, but he's not super young, but in a younger patient, less than, less than a centimeter, smallish tear, 
if it were more peripheral, closer to where the blood supply is better, they can heal. Like like yeah. you, the indication is don't do surgery, don't leave that alone. It'll, it'll do okay. Just close up on the yeah, top. Yeah, and now, now as you get more central, you get to where, where the blood supply isn't quite as well, we call it white-white zone, there's a whole bunch of different terms, those ones aren't gonna heal. But again, if it's not symptomatic, if it's not causing problems, and it's really small, you leave it alone. Oh. We're gonna keep our fingers crossed the, uh, that the Sixers advance, Joel stays healthy. Uh, and by the way it's looking, uh, they would be facing the Brooklyn Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals. Man, do they look good. Huh? They look Scary. great. Interestingly enough, it's going to be without one-third of their big three. Potentially. Um, James Harden goes out again. Uh, Dr. Frey, if you recall, episode five, James Harden was the topic of conversation with his hamstring injury. Dean, yes. I know you said you had a chance to listen in. Um, but game one versus the Bucks. Uh, Harden, within the first minute, we were just speaking about this earlier, game one, drives the lane, pulls up lame, grabs his hamstring, walks right off the court. Dr. Frey, I'm gonna say you were spot on when we asked you for your on-record diagnosis. You said you expected to see James Harden back earlier because the big three had only had about six games together of team chemistry. Dean, your colleague Dan Gorham was on with us that episode, and him and I said, ah, I bet you they sit him. Uh, we don't see him until about the Eastern Conference semifinals, which would have been this round, yep. uh, in hopes of preserving him long term. Uh, Dr. Frey was right in his prediction. They did bring him back. Um, but I feel the big fear was that what happened happened again. Yep. You know, what do we think about him moving forward? And we, I mean, we have he missed game two. Yeah. Brooklyn still showed their showed their ability. Yeah. Uh, won that game handily going away. They're up 2-0. Man, they're good. I mean, they look good without him. Um, I mean, Kyrie Irving, you know, Kevin Durant, all the other pieces they added are starting to really come together. They are They uh, are firing on all cylinders. They it would certainly appear so, are. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Dr. Frey, what, what do you think here? Like, uh, So I thought, yeah, my, my gut was the right answer treatment-wise yeah. for him was was stay out to the to, to mm -hmm. the second series. Yeah. And, and uh, I was kind of right on, right on board with you guys for that. Yeah. But I, I kind of had a suspicion that yeah. maybe he would come back sooner, right. um, really because of that. The, the, there's no chemistry. Six games yeah. played together all season. I think there was sort of a need to try to get these guys together. In reality, I guess there isn't. Man, they're just that right. good. <laughs> they're steamrolling teams, you know, with, with, with you know, two-thirds of, uh, of, the, of the show. It's hard to say we don't. I don't have a whole lot of information from this most recent injury. You know, it's exactly what we worry about, that we see with these types of soft tissue injuries, where if you come back a little bit too soon, something happens, you know, it pops. Um, sometimes you're back at square one, sometimes it's a speed bump. It's a small little bump in the road. You just need a little bit of time then you can get back again. I think by virtue of the fact that they've steamrolled the bucks twice, essentially without, without Harden playing, right that they're probably gonna go a little more slowly. We're trying to get him back. Um, I would be surprised if we see him this series, especially if they keep winning. Um, yeah, I, I would assume regardless of how healthy that leg is or isn't, he won't play unless there's at least six games in this series, because yeah. there's no yeah. reason to. Yeah. Why, yeah. Um, my, gut, my gut is that if they get down in this series, so let's say they win this series, mm -hmm. and let's say the Sixers beat Atlanta, and, and I'd, Definitely not a foregone conclusion, sure. but let's say that's the case, and then that's play the Sixers. I'd even be a little bit surprised if we see Harden in Game One yeah. or Game Two, especially if the Nets win Game One. Right. 
or game two, right? Um, if you see them start getting into a little bit of uh, trouble, you see this becoming a competition, I think Harden feels the pressure. I think the Nets feel the pressure to, to try their luck, right? To get him out there and get him get, have him try again. And if he pops it again, he pops it again. Yeah. But, but my gut is that when he comes back, it's going to be influenced by how well they're playing and how their series are going. And um, I have a feeling we're going to see him in the next series, maybe game two or three. Dean, in that episode with, with Dan, um, we had talked about uh, the difficulty it is with these soft tissue injuries, sure. right, where you rehab and you get them back and everything feels great, and then you push them a little bit, and then there's a setback. And I think with Harden right now, it's really difficult because the lack of information out there. Sure. Uh, we don't know if what he experienced driving that lane was it felt tight or did he feel a pop? Right. Uh, so we have no idea if it was a aggravation or right. a, a, a re-injury, I guess you could say. It's hard sure. to know. Um, we what are, saw what are him kind of flick it and grab yeah. at it, you know, like yeah. he knew, he knew yeah, right, right away. He just right. walked right off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in your experience, I mean, do you see that as well? Like just these soft tissue things, how, how difficult it is to push? Yes, absolutely. The thing that is a little odd though is he's been playing for a while now. Right, mm -hmm. they yeah. they went through the first round. Right, he came. I forget exactly how many games, but he, he missed. Was back. Well, he missed twenty games from the injury originally, but okay. then got back. I would say it was about he played three a little weeks. bit yeah. at the end of the regular yeah. season. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. So he he played some in the regular season. So two or three games. A, so maybe ten games total. It wasn't that many. So it, seven games total. You know, it is kind of strange that he was able to play that many yeah. games before. Um, something bad happened again right. so that, it is a little odd i, I would have know. maybe thought a little sooner if you truly wasn't ready yeah um but i, I mean yeah. you know maybe he got lucky and never had to really overextend for yeah. a ball or you know really never you i know, think that predisposition is there though and it's just it's just sure. a matter of time before uh if it's too early it's just a matter of time now maybe you're right right we we, we, we also address and we also acknowledge that when someone has a soft tissue injury like this, once they have it one time, they're they're more likely to get it again a second sure. time. But let's say it was seven games, which is my guess. It was seven games. Maybe maybe it was eight. I think eight games. It's still related to that first injury. Sure. It's, it's not a it's not a reaggravation of an old injury or or second injury with some predisposition. I think it actually is. It's a re-aggravation of, yeah. of the first injury when it's only eight games later. And, you know, it, it kind of ties into what we talked about just a few minutes ago about Joel with some of these other things that maybe aren't quite totally efficient with him, mm. especially with these kind of soft tissue injuries. They don't typically happen for no reason. Um, and again, in season, we tend to not really care what that reason yeah. is. We care that the injury is better and we need to get him on the field or on the court. Mm -hmm. Most times with these kind of chronic, recurrent hamstring injuries, um, and this is purely, I don't have you know a, a, a research article to back this up, but in, in my experience, uh, a lot of times these guys have uh, stiffness, or, or women, men or women, uh, stiffness or something wrong around the hip joint. And it'll, they'll kind of get these chronic on-again, off-again hamstring problems. So, again, they're not, they're not worried about fixing that hip mobility or whatever mm -hmm. that case may be right now. we got to strengthen that hamstring, yeah. minimize that scar tissue, improve the function of that injured muscle as much as we can, and, and try and get through the, the season. Um, so, you know, he, he is likely 
headed for some sort of a off-season rehab program to to work on some mechanics as well would be my would be my guess. And I agree with the way the series is going down so far. I mean, there's no reason to even consider seeing him um, before Game Five, Game Six at this point. I mean, they could go back and you know lose two to Milwaukee. You got to um, think Giannis is gonna is gonna right. arrive soon. Yeah, I don't think he's, he's getting blasted on yeah. uh, you know right. some yeah. of the the sports yeah. talk shows and stuff right now. That about, guy's amazing. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, he's kind of getting attacked yeah. a little bit of not, not showing up when it really matters. This is, right. what I think, the the third season now where the mm-hmm. Bucks have been, you know, the Almost, well, this yeah. year they weren't really the top team because yeah. of what the Nets put together. Yeah. But, you know, they're kind of that top seed in the East. Mm-hmm. He won two MVPs in a row yeah. and then kind of falls on his face in the, in the playoffs. Yeah. So I think he's going to kind of come I'll out with up. a little yeah. bit of a wake chip up. on his shoulder. I think, I think yeah. right? Five or six. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine it's going to be a yeah. sweep, but who knows? But, I mean, here's another example of the soft tissue injuries that, you know, you, you, you do the best you can, you hope for the best. And, I mean, it was Anthony Davis with the Lakers, right, right. where he injures his groin in game four. Um, and I guess there's some different factors here. Uh, he misses game five for what they said was a grade one groin strain. Typical time, 10 to 14 days timetable was given, which is about accurate. Right, right? Sure. Usually what you hear. He missed, what, about two, I think. Right. And they, I guess they felt that they got him good enough to play game six. Again, different factor. The Lakers were facing elimination. Sure. Uh, but Davis goes out there. I mean, he doesn't make it. Uh, you know, remind me. I, I think it was four minutes into the game yeah, before he. It wasn't very long. No. And he didn't. He didn't look good right. leading leading no. up to it. He wasn't yeah. moving very well. Yeah. Um, and, and then unfortunately, I mean, the Lakers get eliminated. So. To your point, they're probably going to address these these issues in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Davis already, you know, came out and said that uh, he's been in contact with the athletic trainers. They're going to reevaluate the injury, and right. I'm assuming put together a plan to, you know, get yeah. back to it. Um, you know, the bright side, at least for him, is he's got a long offseason ahead of him. That there's there's time to uh, try the conservative route. Um, Unfortunately, the bright side is. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess depending on which way you, way you look at it. For uh, for his future and next season, it, it's the bright side. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, for, for them wishing they were on television right now, it, it's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, there's time to, to go through the, the conservative rehab route. And, it, you know, again, it's... We wish we had the, had the imaging, right? Yeah. Previous experience, you know, I worked with a lot of these kind of... Uh, groin strain or uh, core muscle injury kind of injuries. Um, If his injury uh, is more into the muscle belly of the adductor muscle group, uh, depending on which muscle that is, that's a better chance uh, of him just being able to rehab it and treat it the way you would your typical uh, calf strain like was discussed with Mike Trout or a hamstring strain. But when you get up towards the the tendon portion of that muscle uh, muscle group and up towards the pubic bone, it behaves a lot differently than your typical muscle strains do, and and most of the time, uh, conservative management uh, doesn't always work. Uh, a lot of times with these kind of injuries, they're doing great and mm-hmm. they're going through every stage of that rehab progression from that early pain management to progressive loading, getting into more dynamic activity. And at some point they'll, they'll hit that 
phase and they're right back at, at square one for, for one reason or another. And, and it's like, oh man, it didn't work. And now, you know, the surgery is coming. Um, so hopefully for him that it is more into that mid muscle belly and not so much up to the, uh, to the pubic bone. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that has typically has a lot uh, worse outlook. Time will tell. I mean, we'll, we'll see what his offseason's like. He already withdrew from the uh, Olympics this year in Tokyo. He, he came out and said he's not going to be playing for Team USA. I'm sure to focus on getting right for the start of the yeah, season. Yeah, unfortunately, that's a no-brainer yeah. for him at this yeah. point. Yeah. Unfortunately for us, that's a no-brainer for him, right? right? Guy's a spectacular player. Yeah. I, mean, I, um, I would guess. I, I haven't heard a lot. I, I did hear LeBron. He, also, yeah. Him and the... Uh, the Toon Squad yeah. is, is what he's focusing on <laughs> yeah. this summer. Uh, nice way to plug his movie. Right. Uh, but, Which uh, I'm excited about. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be as good as the original. Right. Uh, self-admitted. I'm, yeah. I'm a Jordan guy. Yeah. So uh, as much as I, I am a LeBron fan as well, he's yeah. my number two. But uh, nothing he does will be as good as what MJ did. So uh, Space Jam 1 is better than Space Jam 2. I'm just going to be on record for that. Before you even saw it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but... Uh, I would guess that a lot of the bigger name guys probably are going to withdraw, yeah. unfortunately, from the Olympics this year, just with the NBA season running a little bit later and with how weird the, you know, the NBA season was. You know, the, I think the NBA finals were last October yeah. rather than last June, and they're going to run into July yeah. this year. So shorter off season, unfortunately... I think a lot of the big names are going to kind of hold out. If but. that's the case, it'll be interesting, right? The rest of the world is catching up. You know, yeah. Spain has a great team. Yeah, uh, that is true. Uh, uh, I think it's Slovenia also has a yeah. very, has good team. Greece whoever, is a good team. There's a, a few number of teams, yeah, that, yeah, that are out there that that can now compete. And yeah. even when we're we're playing well, all of a sudden these games are becoming more competitive. If some of our best athletes are, are you know, understandably withdrawing. It could be a very interesting Olympics. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that's going to about wrap it up for tonight's episode. Uh, our Sixers got a nice 12-point lead here midway through the first. Uh, we'll go ahead and enjoy the rest of the game. Time to watch. Yeah. Uh, before we go ahead and close out our tab, uh, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, uh, Reconstructive Orthopedics, with our Focused on You approach and eight locations from Bordentown to Vineland, New Jersey, covering all of your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the premier sports performance destination. Neck of the Woods Brewing Company here in Pittman for hosting us each and every week. Total Turf Experience and our good friends at Simba Real Productions, our on-site producer Joe Warner and Kyle Miller, editor. Thanks a lot for listening in. Dean, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Dr. Frey. Have a great night, everybody. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you.